You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast, the flagship for the NFL for the Locked On Podcast Network, which brings you your team every day. We are the number one local sports daily podcast in the world. And a big reason why is having people on like Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. Mike, what is going on with you? Not much. Just uh, ready for the season to wrap. Ready for the playoffs here. Yeah, absolutely. And as you do often, you put out your O-line ranks. And there's a couple notable things I just wanted to mention with these. Is First off, the Steelers are, are number one. But the Browns are two. And boy, left tackle was a problem for part of the year. But it seems like... One of the unreported stories since Hugh and Haley are gone and as well as Baker's playing is the rest of the line is pretty firm now. Yeah, the interior, arguably the best in the NFL at the moment. I mean, they paid a lot to get it, but it has Mm -hmm. been fantastic. Kevin Zeitler only allowed 10 pressures all season at right guard. Joel Batonio only 11 pressures all season at left guard. And then J.C. Treader's been one of the better centers in the NFL up the middle. So that interior is sort of given Baker a lot of these clean pockets to step into have been a big factor in his ability to transition quickly to the NFL. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you still see left tackle as a big offseason need, though? Yeah, I do. I liked what I saw from Desmond Harrison in limited time, but it's not enough to say, oh, we're going to keep him mm-hmm. as the starting left tackle long term. you got to do something else at the position. Fortunately, the, might not be too many options for them. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, they're not picking the top five anymore. Um the Patriots are third on your list, and a question I'm asking every guest this week, where is this team? Is it the beginning of the end? Is I, I just want general thoughts on the Patriots compared to previous years and where this franchise is. Obviously, O-line's not a problem. That's a great question. I, I don't think it's the beginning of the end by any means. I, I think they still, I, I mean, I still think no one really wants to play them in the AFC playoff. I don't think you're... Like, oh, yeah, give me New England. They are struggling (laughs) at the moment. You know, no one's begging for that. But at the same time, Brady has missed more throws than he has in any of the recent seasons. That's, you know, undebatable fact. Uh, Rob Gronkowski is a different player now than he was five years ago. The injuries, he just does not move the same way. Uh, And I don't think as much as, you know, everyone applauded them for getting Josh Gordon, I don't think he's meshed with that offense very well whatsoever. So I do think. Uh, they just aren't the same team that, you know, was Super Bowl in the Super Bowl the past few years. Yeah, I think that's well said. And their road record is concerning to me. Their team speed on defense is concerning to me in the front seven. Um, But this is how I've been describing Brady lately. And I watched him a lot before they played the Steelers, of course, was he's still great. But if I put on his low light tape, there's more on it than most years, and there's more head-scratching things on it than most years. Yeah, I can get on board with that. He's just not uh, – He just in years past, you would just not see a lot of misses. You would just not see open guys and Brady waving on them. This year, there's a lot of that, and then the just terrible decisions as well mixed in there. Yeah, there have been a couple. I mean, the, the pick to Hayden this weekend was what, – what's going on there? I mean, if Bortles yeah, makes that – was, uh, yeah, yeah, Bortles that makes was that Derek Carr. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, The fourth team on your list is the Saints, and I only bring them up because, like the Rams, and we're going to get to them in a minute, the offense is not juggernaut-like at the moment, and the Saints could be without Unger at center, who went to the Pro Bowl, probably shouldn't, 
And Armstead, the left tackle, who might be the best offensive lineman in the league. What kind of effect do you think that has to the Saints if that's a big problem for them? Yeah, I think the Armstead injury is kind of people have almost forgotten about the fact that the offense has gone in the tank when he's not been there. That's He was so big to just, you know, when you have that extra split second, Drew Brees can do a lot to protect his offensive line, but you can't make every single throw in 2.3 seconds or whatever. You can't have a quick release every single time. There's going to be drop back plays that he needs the time uh, to work with Armstead was affording him that time. Uh, gosh, the name's eluding me now. The guy used to the Bears tackle, who's in there now, is not affording him that time. Uh, they might Bush from not guard been, to yeah. To tackle they have not been getting and... that much time exactly. No. Yeah, like the and then in the running game, you just can't replace what he did either. In that regard, he's a very good. He's just one of the best left tackles in the NFL. Bushrod is not. So I do think that it's hurt both aspects of that offense. Yeah, and, and the Steelers can throw a lot at you, and the, we know that. What Breeze likes less, the least, is interior pressure. And if Unger's not there and all the shuffling, I worry about the communication in this game. Yeah, because the Steelers, yeah, I mean, you obviously know the Steelers, but they're going to throw the kitchen sink at you from a blitz perspective. And what they do with stunts, slants up front, uh, if you don't have a guy willing, you know, calling those out, recognizing those, knowing where to go with the line, that can be just as important as not having the talent up front. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, the Rams are seventh on your list, and that's the last of the top lines I want to talk about, and then I'm going to tell everybody about our friends at Action Heat. But this, the, again, the Rams are declining, and Goff has not looked good the last couple weeks. I don't know that Gurley's healthy, to be honest with you. I, I would consider shutting mm-hmm. him down and saving him for the playoffs. But the line also, it was right at the top of your list most of the year, right? Yes, yeah, it was. It was number one or two for a while. I, I think they've been, I don't want to say been figured out, but I think people now know where to attack this line. It's okay. John Sullivan at center. It's Austin Blythe at right guard. They can't hold up to the bull rush. Just they're, they've, if you've watched the tape the past few weeks, they have been getting bull rushed back into Jared Goff's face almost ad nauseum. Every single third down, every single obvious passing situation, they're not stunning. They're not trying to, teams aren't trying to throw, you know, exotic stuff at them. They're just putting those guard, the guard and center right back in the, Jared Goff's lap, and he hasn't been able to deal with that sort of interior pressure. So I do think, to some degree, the book is out on those two guys. They just haven't been able to hold up. Yeah, I know Blythe was a very pleasant surprise for the early part of the year, but you know, once people start studying the tape, they, mm-hmm. he's a smaller guy. Sullivan, I don't think, has the anchor he once did. Those are problems that probably won't go away. Yeah, I've said that uh, the past few weeks after that, that, that while, yeah, it's a little bit so the Saints and the Rams have gone in the tank a little bit uh, in terms of their offenses. The Saints don't seem like they seem like fixable problems. The Rams, I think, to some degree, have been uh, exposed as to where they're okay. weak. Yeah, well said. Uh, I mentioned our friends at Action Heat. This episode is sponsored by Action Heat, and it's a very cool situation. I mean, it's heat on demand at the touch of a button. You can control your environment entirely. It's clothing that's engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via, you know, it's almost like heating panels in the front seat of your car, you know, and they're heated that you can control the touch of a button on your clothing. They reach up to temperatures of 135 degrees. They're they're powered by a rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion battery that lasts up to 12 hours. So if you're working all day in the cold, as people around here are in Pittsburgh, oh, it's a beautiful day here, I will say. Um, it's an ideal situation. It's perfect for any friend or family on your holiday gift list. Great for anyone who works outdoors, skiers, snowboarders, anyone that loves the outdoors, hunters, those type of people that are going to be outside a lot. 
Action Heat clothing provides toasty warmth and comfort for your whole body. Jackets, socks, gloves, hats, even undergarments like, you know, long johns and like base layer shirts, those type of things. Action Heat is available in men's and women's and there's new styles constantly. It makes winter activities a lot more enjoyable with a blast of warmth. It's good stuff, really. So, here's... We got a special deal for you guys. You can save 20% off your entire order. Go to actionheat.com slash locked on. All one word, all lowercase. Actionheat.com slash locked on. Check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash locked on or use the coupon code locked on at checkout and that saves you 20%. So that's something you got to try. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat. And, of course, we spe- we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. So, Mike, one middle-of-the-road team on your O-line ranks, which i got to be honest, for the Panthers to rank 16th with the talent they have up front is pretty good work for the year, in my opinion. But I didn't want to talk about their line as much as, again, kind of where they are as a team. Like, Cam needs to be shut down. You talk about injured. New owner... They got a lot of old dudes, you know, the Khalil brothers, Olsen, Thomas Davis, Peppers. Is it time to kind of blow the thing up, new coach, and start over? Or what's your thoughts there with the Panthers? I could go either way on this team right now. Yeah, the kind of the poorly kept secret was that David Gettleman really wasn't adding a ton of talent to this roster. They were right. bleeding a lot of drafts there, you know. Uh, what's his face, the nose tackle that Vernon Butler hasn't really made any sort of impact. They just had a lot of... You know, guys that they drafted early that have kind of floundered for that team. The stalwarts have been the stalwarts since, you know, early 2010s. Uh, you know, Keekley, Cam Newton, Thomas Davis, those guys. Uh, have Even been Shorts there. having a down year. Yeah. So I, I do think, I'm not sure if it's a coaching staff change or what, because I do think that they scheme a good defense there. They always seem to overperform to what they have talent-wise in terms of defensively. And you're obviously not going to move on from Cam Newton. He plays, you know, a brand of football that you can win with. You, you can do a lot, lot worse than him in the NFL these days. But at the same time, uh, I'm not sure. Like, if he keeps getting hurt, if you keep, you know, the shoulder injuries, are you going to be able to utilize him as a run threat in future seasons with all these injuries that have now piled up on, you know, the shoulder uh, now twice in his career that with you know the quarterback being position being as valuable as as it is so I do worry about Carolina and especially since they're in a division with uh, Falcons Bucks and Saints that all have you know some talent there yeah I agree um, I hate playing doctor that's the least favorite part of my job because I have no clue but my hunch yeah. is you know rotator cuffs could be a lingering thing or a long time term thing it wouldn't shock me at all. If Cam's getting surgery, maybe he'd be ready for training camp type of deal. That being said, I do think we have to recognize how well this offense was humming early in the season when he was right and Turner had a good thing going. I think that's important. But my question for you, if you could add one thing to this team, like when their draft pick comes up and you could add any position, all players be all prospects being equal, what would you add to Carolina? It's a good question. Yeah, I, think I don't know. Need, That's why I'm asking. I think defensive line. I, I think I was thinking the way. Rusher. Yeah, edge rush would help a lot because I think the way that that defense is schemed, uh, it just sort of slows down your quarterback. It's a zone where if you have time, there will be holes. If you don't have time, 
you know, Keekley's going to jump around. You're going to be giving them a lot of picks. So I do think pass rush would be their biggest need or where they could upgrade and make the most impact right away. Yeah, because they don't want to blitz a lot. I mean, they'd prefer <laughs> to drop three, let those linebackers cover a lot of ground, uh, play a lot of zone behind that. And, you know, Julius Peppers and those guys aren't getting it done. I mean, if they had a stud edge rusher, I think that defense could be a top 10 type of group. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, they're not bereft of holes at other places, but that just seems like the biggest. Okay. Um, I also wanted to mention the three offensive lines at the very bottom of your list. And Oakland is 30th. Is that really just the tackles? Uh, I mean, so they've had injuries on the interior, yeah. too. And uh, Calicio Assembly, even before, was not playing well whatsoever compared to what we expected from him. But the tackles have been about as bad as it gets in the league. So, yeah. And I don't know that Tom Cable's a great asset to any offensive line. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> Miami is 31. A lot of injuries there. But you you seem to agree that, that Tunsil is a star at left tackle. And I don't think everyone realizes. And, and if it, you know, bong mask aside... He's about as good as left tackle as I've seen come in the league in a while. Yeah, he's been getting a lot. Every season he's improved. And that's, you know, a hallmark of a good offensive line. When they're on an upward trajectory, it means they're putting in the work that it takes to get better every single year. So I do think there's a lot of reason to be excited about him. Now, Juwan James is going to be a free agent, and your interior is about as bad as it gets in the league. So there's a lot of position to address there, but at least you have the most valuable position there pretty much on wraps. Yeah, and... What's your thoughts on Tannehill? I mean, I think he's a tough eval this year, and I think he's playing better than people think. <sighs> he's playing all right, but at the yeah. same time, it's never it's, it's never enough. This is year seven. You know, this right, is year right. seven of him. You're just not going to – he doesn't play Super Bowl winning football, I feel like. He, all the little things that go into the quarterback, avoiding sacks, pocket presence, avoiding negative plays, you know, keeping yourself on schedule, I don't think he does well. And that's why they've always sort of been in that – eight and eight range the six and ten range ten and six range and never gone above that never gone below that but you're basically limiting yourself to that range if you have Dan Hill at quarterback when you said this is year seven it was like hitting me in the forehead with a hammer because I'm comparing them to like Trubisky (laughs) you know what I mean like yeah it's he's been around too long for these type of things and yeah he's had some coach you can make excuses for him but it's year seven I mean you're in the meat of your career it's not enough Exactly. It's just, it's not enough. It's not, you could do worse. He could, he's going to hang around the NFL till he's 35, mm-hmm. but it's never going to be Super Bowl type football. But the Jags would kill to have him. Yeah. I mean, the Jags would kill right. to have him, but even then you'd be, you're still, you're, you're still struggling. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, one of the quarterback, and it's the 32nd ranked offensive line, is the Arizona Cardinals. And, I'm not sure everyone realized this, but their line was really bad, and now they have five new starters, so they're really, really bad. You know, like, historically bad is my hunch. Yes. For, <laughs> yeah. I have no idea how you judge Rosen. I mean, I loved Rosen. I'm very high on him still. But to say that his rookie year is a bust or um, not good enough or maybe he's not the guy, I think it's crazy. I don't know how you know. Yeah, I think their highest-graded lineman in our grades was, like, 80th overall in terms of his whole lineman in the NFL. Just like not even close to anyone competent up front. And yeah, exactly. You can't judge a quarterback and no one's going to play well behind that. And then they they try to protect him with the play calls. They realize that the offensive line sucked and that he's going to get killed. And I do the same thing. I wouldn't even let him try 
uh, you know, to run a real offense because you just you don't want to risk him getting hurt. You don't want to kill his confidence year one. So offseason plan. I mean, if they don't address at least three positions on the offensive line, they're still going to suck next year. Yeah, right. I mean, they need everything and their receiving core is bad. I mean, they're going to be bad for a while. And I mean, they're going to pick early, but geez, their, their drafts have been ugly of yeah, late. They, they like really if you go back, they just nothing really, not even in the way of uh, even like back of the roster starters, just all backups for the most part. Yeah. I mean, find a guy in the third or fourth round, please. You know, like they haven't done any of that kind of thing. I think Steve Wilkes is going to be one and done. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, it's been the lack of creativity at both sides of the ball, uh, even with the lack of talent, has been pretty evident. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty obviously the worst team in the league right now, which makes that Packers loss to them even worse <laughs> for Green Bay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then I want to talk a subject we touched on yesterday, but Mike really broke it down well. Uh, with the Ravens offense, where they're at right now. I think they're a really interesting team. So we'll be back in a moment. All right, all right. So you were talking Ravens offense in an article, and I posed this question yesterday saying, clearly Lamar Jackson makes them harder to play against. I think clearly Marshall Yonda and Suggs and Weddle all know that Jackson gives them a better chance to get to the playoffs than Flacco. And that's more of an indictment on Flacco, in my opinion. But Jackson does bring unique challenges to any defenses he faces, of course. And the defense and special teams and Tucker allows you to play that style. And on a week-to-week basis, teams aren't accustomed to preparing for an offense that Baltimore is bringing you. So I think all that's good coaching. But is it sustainable? Can you can you win a couple playoff games? Is it the is is this is it sustainable? I think you hit the nail on the head there. With it works with the defense they have and the kicking game they have. Mm-hmm. It, it works when you have that side of the ball to where. So when you play a run heavy attack, when you do what they do, it helps in two different facets. One, it shortens the game. You get fewer possessions, which just makes the game more random when you have fewer right. possessions you're going to just have fewer chances to separate yourself from the other team it reminds two, me a little i'm sorry it reminds me a little bit of peyton yep. manning's last year with denver obviously a different style of offense but we're gonna win 13-9 our kicking games mm-hmm. will be better than yours hopefully we don't get a bad bounce at the end of the game exactly and it sort of it's only if you only have to win you know three playoff games you the luck of the draw sort of thing when you have a defense like that and that's your style of play you can bounce, can bounce your way three games in a row. You can have Joe Flacco throwing a hail mary. You can have something like that. Just go your way, and all of a sudden you randomly sneak out a win. And I think that works with the defense they have, uh, and like I said, the kicking game. And also, it helps you close out games when you can run as well as they do. And adding Lamar Jackson at quarterback has basically turned them into the best rushing offense in the NFL. They're averaging five and a half yards a carry on designed options since he took crazy. over. Yeah. They've ran twice as many design run options as any other team in the NFL over that span since he took over. And which everyone knows it's coming. Just, exactly. And that's the thing. It's, it gives you so much to prepare for in terms of the motion they use, the triple options, just how many different things they're throwing at you that basically no one's ever seen at the NFL level. These are the college concepts that teams are afraid to run because they put the quarterback in harm's way a lot. You know, he's getting 10 to 15 shots on Lamar Jackson a game, but there's really nothing else you can do at this point if you want to win games if you're the Ravens. That's the style of football you have to play with them. But I do think 
it is sustainable. And like I said, you can close out games with a running game like that. They took seven minutes and eight seconds off the clock against the Bucks in a one possession game and ran it all the way down to zero with just the, you know 12 straight runs. That's just not a lot of other teams can do that when mm-hmm. the other team knows you're going to run the ball. Yeah, and this time of year with weather, going on the road likely in the playoffs, playing teams that have injuries as everyone everyone does right now, playing through them, that the fourth quarter against the Ravens isn't a walk in the park. Yeah, I think no one really wants to face them in the playoffs. They'd be my least favorite team, even above the Chargers in December. If you're at home somewhere like Arrowhead, somewhere like Gillette, uh, if that's who you're facing, or yeah, either of those teams would hate to would hate to play the Ravens because that's just whatever. Like I said, it's so difficult to prepare for that sort of offense. You have there's basically no blueprints on how to stop it yet at the NFL level. So I'm not sure if it's sustainable long term. And two years from now, maybe teams will have it figured out. But they just throw so much at you from a run game perspective that uh, you basically have to, you know, come up with something to do on the fly for all these looks that they're throwing your way. I can just see the TV cameras, you know, flashing to Mahomes on the sideline, frustrated as you know they only have eight possessions that day and they're kill- yeah. killed in time possession. And yeah, they move the ball when they're out there, but it's always Jackson picking up five, six, seven, and, and they don't even really have a good running back, <laughs> which is kind of funny too. But because of the threat Jackson provides, there's always holes and a no-nonsense get five when we block for four. Edwards works. Yeah, I was talking to one of our guys on staff, Gordon McGinnis, who's actually a Ravens fan. And he was saying, Gus Edwards has the easiest job of any running back in the NFL right now. He does. just the looks he's getting. He's just running a straight line and maybe bounce off one guy and you get 20, 25 yards because – they're giving you such favorable looks uh, with that running game. Like, imagine if that was Fournette, who isn't built for today's NFL, but clearly is a lot more talented, but same stylistic as Edwards. Mm-hmm. He'd be getting eight instead of four. Yeah, you just get Fournette up. Like I said, if you get Fournette up to speed in an offense like that, you'd be he'd be humming. You know, yeah. that'd be that's be ideal. That's exactly what he needs to succeed. However, and I mentioned this yesterday, Jackson's passing is a problem. And oh, it's bad. It's yeah. bad. I mean, I guess Sage Rosenfels, when he was on yesterday, was around him whenever he was getting ready for the NFL. And he mentioned Jackson, more so than other quarterbacks, struggled with the, the ball from college to NFL. Because he threw the ball better at yeah. Louisville. I mean, am I crazy? Because I liked him coming out of school a lot. He threw the ball a lot better a year ago. Yeah, he has more passes than I think I've ever seen a quarterback that don't come out correctly. So that mm-hmm. that wouldn't surprise me at all. Like the ball just did not leave his hands. I mean, obviously everyone I think has felt that feeling throwing a football, but we're not NFL quarterbacks. The ball, you know, <laughs> right. the ball should be leaving their hands consistently. It's what they've been doing their whole lives. But I've seen he had a, just a uh, wheel route this past week where it just was 15 yards short of where it was supposed to be, and that ball was flopping through the air. Uh, he's had a handful of others throughout the season where the ball just doesn't come out right sometimes and goes way different from where it's been. And he's he's had some nice throws, to his credit, oh, has, at times. But the you can't have misses the way he's had misses. The last little notes on this, and we're going to wrap up the show. It's been a fun one. Is He's protecting himself a little better, but he's not Cam Newton. He's not Josh Allen. I, I worry about him taking big shots. And as Greg Cosell always says... Eventually, it's third and eight. You know, like, this formula is great, and I mm-hmm. really think Harbaugh is an underrated coach who's maximizing the talent he has. 
but sometimes it's third and eight. Yeah, and I do. I will say though, they can also they, they can run on third and eight, and I'm not yeah, putting past right. that sort of yeah. thing for them to you know convert on third and eight. That almost might be their best strategy. But the sustainability is the biggest thing in terms of health of Lamar Jackson. He takes a lot more hits than any other quarterback in the NFL is taking right now, and he's probably as least adept at taking those hits as any quarterback in the NFL. So uh, that's the biggest, most worrisome thing. I think that's why he fell in the draft because he is such a dynamic athlete, but just no one's willing to commit to that sort of offense when as soon as he goes down, you're you know, SOL for the, for lack of a better term, you just have no recourse. You have no backup that can impersonate what he does for an offense. So you're kind of screwed if he does go down. And, uh, that's the only thing that's the biggest worry for them uh, going forward here. It is. Um, you're younger than me and hasn't been doing this as long. So I doubt you remember, you probably weren't, you know, doing this for a living when Vic was in his young years, but do you remember, is there anybody since, you know, pro football focus has been around that, you think his dynamic quarterback runner is Jackson? I don't think so. I mean, Robert Griffin yeah. was the threat of him in terms of the big play. If he got mm-hmm. him in a straight line, if he just completely ignored him, he could go, you know, house it from anywhere on the field. But he wasn't dynamic in terms of tackle breaking, elusiveness. Vision. Yeah, and I haven't seen anyone like him since Vic. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, that year I spent with the Browns, my best bud was a Falcons. You know, it was from Atlanta. I was from Pittsburgh. It was Roethlisberger's rookie year. And, like, when everybody left, would go sit in the film room. I'd watch Ben his rookie year, and he'd watch Vic, and it was unbelievable. I mean, we just watched every snap of those guys. And Jackson's right there with them. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, the things he can do. He's probably their best running back on the roster at the moment. Oh, and maybe yeah. maybe their best receiver, too, if they wanted to throw maybe, him out there. But. Maybe. <laughs> Mike, you were best, too. This is great. Thank you so much. Let's do it again next Wednesday. Appreciate it, man. Have a good week, man. All right, bud. Take care.